friends, welcome back to Kid City Online. I'm so glad that you're joining me again today. Now, last week we started a brand new series called Designed by God, and we're looking at how God designed everything in the universe including us. If you remember, the definition for designed is created on purpose for a purpose. And today we're going to talk a little bit about families. And so to get us started today, I want us to talk about the very first family. So to do that, we're going to look at Genesis, the very first chapter or the very first book in the Bible. And it says this in Genesis 2, starting in verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had, play, had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. Okay, so I'm going to draw this a little bit now. I'm not an artist, so don't mind my drawings. But God created man. He created a guy named Adam, right? So here we got Adam. Got a, a big smile because he gets to hang out with God in the garden, right? Oh, a little nose. And he probably had some, like, a little bit crazy hair maybe. So... Maybe a little beard. There, that's Adam. That's gonna be Adam. And he's the first member of our first family that we're learning about on earth. Now, after this, you might know what happens next, but we're gonna continue to read in Genesis chapter two, and we're gonna pick up in verse 18. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. I'm gonna jump ahead to verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman out made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. So there, God created a woman, a gal named Eve, right? So we're gonna draw Eve. We got her hanging out here with Adam. Maybe some, put some lips on her. Yep, okay, there we go. And she probably had beautiful long, a little bit wavy hair. Yeah, I think that's probably what Eve looked like. I'm not sure, but that's what I'm gonna say. So God created Adam and Eve, and this was the start to the first family. We'll look more into that later, but for now, we're gonna dive into more about how God is not just the designer of families like this one, but he is also the definer. And so when you define something, it's giving the definition of something, right? It's talking about what it means. When you need to know what a word means, you look it up in the dictionary, right? So could you imagine this where we all got to decide the definition of different words, 
Like, for example, I could decide that an hour, which is 60 minutes, right? Maybe I decide I want to actually define an hour as 100 minutes, okay? So when I'm talking to you about, okay, this video is going to be an hour long, don't worry, it's not really going to be, I might mean it to be my definition of an hour, which is 100 minutes, but you're thinking it's only 60 minutes because that's what an hour is. Could you imagine how much chaos and confusion there would be if we all defined the same words differently? It would be crazy. Now, that's not how God designed things to work. God is a God of order, right? We read this verse last week and I want to read it again. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It says, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, right? God created things with an order. And there's a certain level of structure around this. And when there's all this chaos and confusion, we don't have peace. And this happens a lot in our world today. And one of the reasons why is that people define important things differently. Like things that like things like good and evil and sins and blessings and grace, right? People have different definitions of these things. But there is a solution to this problem. God has a solution to the problem of these differing ideas and definition and that's called authority. Now authority means the power or the right to give orders. Now I have a certain level of authority here in Kid City, right? If you come, I have authority to set the ground rules here in the warehouse. And at home, your parents have authority too. Or at school, your teachers have authority. Now a question for you, who has more authority? Me or God's word, right? That's a pretty clear answer. God's word has the most authority. And so let's talk about an example of how this might work, how authority might work. So I might come up with a definition for say sin. And my definition is going to be something like this, doing something that's against the law. That's a pretty good definition, right? Do you think so? Well, when you start reading God's word, sometimes we actually see stories of people who break the law in order to honor God. And God doesn't call that sin. In Romans 14, verse 23, we see a little bit different definition of what sin is. God says, everything that does not come from faith is sin. So this is where we see what is sin and what is not. God gets the authority to find sin. And Romans 13, if you look back at that, tells us that all authority comes from God. Now, I'm just one person, but what if a king or a whole government told you to accept a definition of something? Now, in Daniel chapter 3, there's a king named Nebuchadnezzar. That's a pretty fun name to say. If you want to say it with me, Nebuchadnezzar. Now, this king built a tall image of gold and set it up in Babylon. And he told everybody that he 
needed them. He made a law that they had to bow down to this statue. And if they didn't, they would get thrown into a fiery furnace. Now there were three guys, maybe you've heard their names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they wouldn't bow down to this statue. And the king had told them, this is what's well and good. We see this in Daniel 3 verse 15. It says, now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? So the king defines as well and good to bow down to my gold statue. That's what he is saying is the right thing to do in this. But if we look at what God's definition of well and good, he talks about it in Leviticus 26, 1, and his design, his definition of well and good is to do not make idols or set up an image to bow down before it. That we should not be bowing down to anything besides our king, the one and only true God. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had these two things right in front of them of what was well and good. Either the king bow down to this idol or God's definition, don't bow down to anything except me. Did King Nebuchadnezzar have authority? Yes, as the king he did. But however, when what the king said goes against what God has said, God's authority is more powerful and has more weight than any other authority. And so that's important for us to remember is that if anybody tells us to do something that goes against God's word, even if they have authority, God's word has more authority than anything. God gets to define what is right and what is good. So remember that God is not only our great designer of things, but he is also our great definer of things like family and of what is good and what is right. So next week, we're going to continue on in this series. We're going to talk a little bit more about families and more about how God has created us in this Designed by God series. So I'm excited to see you next time. 